Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. Rocket, how are you, son? I'm magnificent, Roscoe. How about yourself? I'm pretty strong. A couple of solid days in the biz and uh, looking forward to catching up with you. Where do we find you on this glorious Melbourne evening? I'm in the city of churches. I'm in Adelaide. We are now a truly national podcast. <laughs> you're you're in wish, you're in Adelaide. I'm in Melbourne. <laughs> I wish I was on a was playing Roy Adelaide or Kuyong or somewhere like that, but unfortunately, I'm here for work. How is the golf? Is, is the injury still keeping you out of the game a little, sir? Unfortunately, yes. The uh, I think it's a, a, a maybe it's more of an age thing than a uh, just an injury thing, but uh, we'll. Uh, won't be too far away before I get back out on the course, um, doing all I can. Well, I'm glad you asked, because my game is absolutely fantastic. Thank you once again for asking. I've just actually played Beth played Beth Page Black Rocket, I so I have. Oh, do tell. Do tell. On the magnificent full swing golf simulator. My good man, in preparation for this week's US PGA, I thought I'd treat myself to a little round around probably the toughest course that I've ever played in simulator golf. But I just wanted to do that to get a little bit of an appreciation for what the guys will be going through this week. And it's tough. And what a great layout. So I guess this podcast, we should spend a fair bit of time looking at the USPGA and the lead into that, where we think that the people are going to stand, some of the Aussies, and um, we should do that. And we should cover off some of the other golf that we've missed out on in the last couple of weeks. And uh, and I think if we do that, um, we might keep the people happy because let me tell you, Rocket, they're still loving you, my friend. They're loving you a lot. <laughs> Downloads are going strong, are they? Absolutely. Any feedback at your end? You know, uh, anyone sort of recognising you yet? Uh, I know that uh, as soon as the podcast goes up, within two hours, um, I know my mother has listened to it and she's already texting me saying, when's the next one? <laughs> is, <laughs> is Mrs Rocket a... Um, a big golfer, or is she just a big Rocket fan? She just loves her son. Well, cherish her while she's here, mate, and uh, that's very nice, Mrs Rocket, that you're listening in, and thank you for being at least one of the downloads contributed to your good young man here who brings valuable content to the listeners of the My Love of Golf podcast. <laughs> so before we get into the golf, I've... I, once again, thanks for asking. My golf's great. Um, two, 2.6 is the handicap now, Rocket. Just want to put that down there. And for an old boy like me, that's that's reasonably, that's as low as I've been probably ever, actually, to be honest. And I found something. And I'll tell you what, what I did f- you find. I'll tell you what I found. I found my Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood swing. And I found it. Sitting. Sorry, go on. The Justin Rose, hope it's the swing, not the practice swing, because the practice swing looks like he's about to sit on a toilet. No, that wouldn't be pretty if I tried that. But um, courtesy of my good friend Clint Rice at the Golf Performance Store, I found the Tor Striker Ball rocket. Have you seen the Tor Striker Ball? No. Do tell. Haven't you seen this training aid that... um, Justin Rose and Rory have been using this felt-covered blow-up balloon-type ball which hangs off a lanyard around your neck. Haven't seen it? Is that the one where where you stick in your forearms to hold it and it's trying to sort of keep you connected? 100%. So I've been practising with that and it generates, if you hold the ball in your forearms all the way through from strike, you know, backswing, obviously, um, strike and then follow through, you end up looking like a cross between Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood, and the strike is pure. So these things are these things are that popular that Ricey has sold out of them, 
and they come in, they go out, and they come in, they go out. And just, I've had mine for a couple of years, honestly, and I've never used it until recently. Until until Ricey said, mate, these things are out of stock, you can't get them, I thought, I'd better start using it so I can see what they're like. And if you want to improve your ball striking and your club face through that crucial impact zone, now my bad thing is I flip. I flip at the ball and it probably... You, you won't be able to flip with that. You cannot flip and it comes from, you know, learning probably golf in the in the 80s and, and 90s and, uh, you know, this new school of, you know, face being square for a lot longer through the impact zone, this thing is absolutely great. So if you like your training aid, check out the Tor Striker ball or whatever it's called. Justin Rose, Rory's using it. I'm not sure if um, Tommy Fleetwood actually uses it, but you end up having a swing that sort of looks like Tommy Fleetwood. I will post some videos on the My Love of Golf, Golf Instagram and uh, if you're a fan of the Tor Striker ball, leave a comment when you see the video and uh, it's not all perfect. It takes a while to get used to it, but um, I'll post some good and bad. But anyway, Rocket, that's how my golf's going, and I'm putting it down to the Tour Striker ball, as used by Rosie and uh, Rory. Well, I can, and <laughs> the next time we tee it up together, you're going to you, remind me to show you this. But that sounds phenomenal because if you wanted to do something like that in the past, and you'll you might laugh, is the way that I actually did that was I actually have in my bag a blow up almost like a little beach balloon, but it's like a globe, so it's actually like an <laughs> it's like a, it's like the earth. So I blow it up to a certain size and then put it between my forearms to actually hit shots with it if I'm practicing that style. <laughs> So, so, so if I actually do something wrong, it falls out. So I've got to—I look like a bit of a dork, probably more so than having something hang around my neck you know, with this uh, blob globe that's in between my forearms. <laughs> right, Ricey. He put a call out the other way for TaylorMade, and TaylorMade haven't come to the party with some golf clubs for Rocket. That was his way of putting a call out for a tour striker ball. Save the man the embarrassment, Dan. At his exclusive golf club using a blow-up kid's beach ball between his forearms and send the man the tour striker, would you? Anyway. I should take a, take a video of that so we can post it on the mile of the there, there you go. Podcast Instagram. Just oh. so everyone can see the difference. I'm, I'm the thrifty Scottish tight one here, not you. You're the, you're the uh, successful Aussie, mate. Come on. <laughs> Just an Aussie battler. So, mate, what's happened in the uh, couple of weeks of golf since we last got together what uh, tournaments have we missed is there any notable uh, performances that we need to digest and uh, review and just have a little bit of a, a rebrief for the the listeners before we move into a deep dive in the US PGA this weekend yeah so first of all obviously we've got it sounds weird to think that we're in May and we're talking about the US PGA and that's, you know, we'll call it building and we'll save that one up for another one of those rants where I talk about PGA Tour and their scheduling and stuff like that. Um, the last two weeks, the, the events that have been on have been Wells Fargo, which is up in Quail Hollow in North Carolina, and Byron Nelson, um, which is at Trinity Forest. So the first one was um, Wells Fargo, and Quail Hollow, which is obviously a site of Justin Thomas's first major win uh, a few years back, actually still had a pretty a pretty solid field. And you know, the likes of you know Justin Rose, Fowler, Garcia, McElroy, they are all sort of contending. But what we saw, especially over the weekend, was a couple of. Uh, younger guys who've been toiling away on the tour for uh, a long time now and there's one particular one who I've been following for a while and purely because you know there's a there's another golf podcast um, that this guy frequented and the guys are, are a real big supporter of his and you know his history is he's, he was a top um, college golfer, so he's won the NCAA championship. Um, so he's come out um, and turned pro and and 
and I think he uh, even he admitted he thought he had this expectation of I was a really good amateur player and thinking that would sort of translate to the pro level. Um, and so that's you know nearly six years ago when he first turned professional. He's you know then called away, got his tour card, lost that, called away on the web.com, nearly lost that, made it to the tour, lost it again back and forth and there was one stage there um, when the, his last thing on the PGA Tour he'd missed 17 like 17 cuts um, in a row so he's gone through you know, a lot of um, machinations and up and down and on Saturday he was paired with Rory McIlroy so he was t- you know two shots off the lead and you know he's going toe to toe with one of the best in the world and took it to him and ended up sort of finishing tied for the lead. So young Max um, Homer, he's not young anymore. He's like only 28. Um, but him and, and one of his actual mates, um, um, Joe Darman, they were tied for, the, tied for the lead going into the weekend. And, you know, so you've got this young guy who's been tolling away on tour. Um, you know, it's the first time he's actually been contending in the whole time he's been on tour and he's been able to you know, actually bring it home. So I've watched the final round a couple of times and he's actually done a, uh, he'd actually done a podcast with these guys over in the US, No Laying Up podcast. And he actually was revealing a lot about, you know, what he's thinking and feeling. It was one of the most amazing insights into the thoughts and feelings and what a young guy was thinking when he's contending for the first time and trying to just eke out a living. Um, and it was just, you know, listening to that, watching it again and seeing, you know, you know, the shots on certain holes that he was hitting, what he was thinking during those shots. It's just an amazing insight into, you know, the pressure that was going on. And, you know, there's a re- there was a really funny quote when he's talking about um, they had a rain delay I think it was on about the 13th or 14th hole. So it was a bit of inclement weather during that week. And so he had a bit of a run on him. I think he had a, you know, a, um, a two or three shot lead. And so they end up having this rain delay for like an hour and a half. And so all of a sudden he's actually st- had time to think about, you know, where he's at and what was happening. And he was saying he turned to his caddy and he said, oh, I feel sick. I feel sick to my stomach. I think this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And his caddy, um, Joe, turned to him and he said, yeah, it's supposed to be hard. And it was like he said that was the thing that just sort of snapped him out of his little sort of, well, it was me, I'm feeling sick, to, you know, you've got a job to do. This is, you know, contending, this is what it's all about. And um, it was just really good to see, you know, this guy just a great story, you know, take it out against, you know, some really good quality players in, you know, Justin Rose finished tied for second, I think it was. You had Fowler, Garcia, McElroy, all sort of inside the top 10. So, you know, that, for me, that's probably one of my favourite wins of the year in terms of, you know, the, um, the, uh, the, not the guy that you expect to win or not the superstar, but someone that's, you know, been through a lot of trials and tribulations and, you know, just showing, you know, mental application and just willing yourself to do something and be successful, you know, it's just a it's just a good win for the little guys. He um, he, um he did credit Joe, his caddy, a lot in that podcast with keeping him in the zone and in control while he was contending. And I'm not sure if it was on the last day or the second last day. If you've watched it so many times, you'll probably remember. But there was a par five where, and he talked about in the podcast, where he wanted to go for it in two. Um, I think there was... As the sixth sixth hole, he drove it right in the rough. Drove That sort of side hill lie. Side hill lie. I think there was some trouble short of the green. He was still, you know, thinking, go for it. Joe said... Just wedge it down there to you know your distance out, and he's still in hundred. Yeah, and Duffner, Duffner, and Jason Duffner, who he's playing with, had just ripped one in there to about ten feet. So he plays a hundred down the down the fairway, wedges it in, and uh, sinks the putt, gets his four, and and walks off with uh, no shots lost to uh, the field. So 
Yeah. It's uh, yeah. A, t- a good good testament to, you know, the value of the mind and, and the mind game and uh, and having someone there on your bag, a good bagman, and, you know, these guys are worth uh, every penny that they earn, the good ones, and... Um, and sometimes they're they're very insightful to listen to in their own right. Is the uh, the the travels of a caddy. So Max Homer, it was a great win, and yes, his mate Joel Darman uh, picked up more money than his, than he's probably ever picked up in his lifetime. I think he said something to him, you know, via via text. Yeah. That, you know, I might not have I might not have won, but I'm still real rich. I still I still won eight hundred and fifty grand. That. <laughs> the other the other part that I really liked was um, you know when he went through what happened post round uh, post tournament win and, and the work that he had to do press conference and so on and so forth and and the time that that took but the celebration was just back at his caddy's host family where the caddy was being billeted doing shots with the the father of the host fa- the host family and all um, night all night and then uh, just bunk, you know, sleeping in the top, jumping in the top bunk. <laughs> you know, all the other guys have just probably, you know, jumped on their net jets and taken off. And here's this young man just um, jumped in the top bunk, got a uh, got a massive hangover, and then jumped on the commercial flight to get to the next uh, the next event. So it was it was really good to hear that story. And uh, you should go and listen to it. No laying up there, obviously, you know, everywhere and they're probably the biggest pod, golf podcast getting about. So, um, yeah, it was a great win. What else, mate? What else? What else did we miss out on? So the next event, uh, which was last week, and um, so you had the Byron Nelson, which used to be played at uh, TPC La Colonis. Um In the last few years, uh, no, actually, sorry, the first time it was played at the new course, um, Trinity Forest was last year. So this is a core Crenshaw design. I think it was built specifically for hosting this event. It was actually built on top of an old tip. So it's actually, I think, from, you know, the, the, it's, it's interesting if you get a bit of an angle on some of this, um, the footage from, you know, some of the drone footage they show, is that the tree line and where the, the you know the, the level of the course it's, it looks a bit odd because you know the actual ground the actual ground is about five or six meters higher than it actually should be based on where all most of the other trees were because it was it's been built on a waste dump. Um, but what they've done is they've built this uh, almost like a link style course um, in Texas. Uh, specifically for this event, for something new, something different, um, and especially down there, you know, blow, you know, very windy. The one disappointing thing for the second year in a row, they've had rain in May in Texas, which they don't normally have. So it softened up the course a lot. So it, it didn't play as it as they would normally hope for it to play. You know, compared to most other you know, PGA Tour events where it's a bit of a, you know, bomber's paradise in terms of just firing at pins, you know, no run, no roll, no bounce. So the the aim is for Trinity Forest to actually be running firm and fast. It's all about you pl- where you place your tee shots, angles, what side you're coming in from the fairway based on the pin, etc. Um, but it was a, a reasonably interesting event. The challenge is that with all these changes to the PGA Tour schedule, they didn't have the the lineup of of stars that um, they would probably normally had. They still had a few good players sort of rolling up in there. So I think um, Dustin Johnson played, uh, Jordan Spieth, Brooks Koepka. Um, you know, so th- they were thereabouts. You know, and this this tournament for the second year in a row was, you know, we'll call it relative to par. It was quite low scoring. And we had a uh, young Korean fella, Sung Kang. Um, I think he shot 61 or something like that in the second round, or it must be second or third round. He just just came out of the blocks and just kept, you know, almost really blew, blew away the field. And then we had a couple of other journeymen, you know, finishing second. So you had Scott Piercy, who's contended in the US Open, I think it was at Oakmont a couple of years ago. 
he finished tied for second um, with Matt. Um, I'm on the drug every. Um, he finished tied for second as well. Interesting thing with Scott Piercy. I don't know if anyone knows this one. For the week, for 72 holes, he had no bogeys. Shot 21 under and had no bogeys. He hit 60 greens. The 12 he missed, he's also got up and down. And I think it was the first time in the last, since like 1979 that someone's had a, a zero bogey round on the PGA Tour. So <laughs> that's quite ridiculous. Um, Brooks Kepka finished fourth. So again, just ensuring that he's, you know, we know that it's not a major because he finished fourth. Um, so he's keeping the ratio um, there. And then the one person obviously leading into the PGA, I was, I was looking at of interest again is Jordan Spieth, who practically finished nowhere. Um, you know, and we, I don't know if we want to talk about Jordan Spieth at the moment, but, you know, this time last year, he was number three in the world. Right now, he's number 39, and he's dropping. He's actually dropping at terminal velocity almost. Um, so... Yeah, Sun Kang. I I honestly don't know a lot about him. Um, I think you you know you and I have had a, had a chat, and you sort of enlightened me. And you know his coach and has a few unique things. I haven't had a chance to watch some of the videos, so he's shares a coach with a few of the other guys out there on tour. Um, yeah, Byron Nelson was a good event. I didn't really watch a lot of it um, because I'm, I was really hoping for that course to be firm and fast because that's when it really becomes interesting and. This is with the minds of some of these players that, that are not used to bouncy courses. Do you know who the uh, course record holder is at Trinity Forest, out of interest? Well, Sun Kang shot 61, and I think Mark Leishman shot 61 in the first round last year. Excellent. Excellent memory and work from you. That's true. <laughs> That's correct. 61 with Mark Leishman. Did uh, no Mark Leishman in that tournament? Um, no, there was no Mark Leishman. Uh, he, I think he, I think he played, but I think he missed the cut. No, sorry, no, he he withdrew. He actually withdrew, and um, and Danny Chopra was the first alternative. <laughs> Danny Chops. Danny Chopra, the uh, Swedish journeyman. <laughs> Danny Chops. So he played. I think he finished like five, six or seven under. So he was all right. Um, Jordan Spieth finished, finished minus eleven, but uh, Henrik Stenson, one of my other favourites, is all usually my go-to guy for a, a result. Uh, uh, Henrik was minus thirteen, and uh, here's one that I like. I like I like it when the uh, older, more the uh, statesman of the tour shine. Minus 15, uh, Aman uh, Padrick. Oh, to be sure, to be sure. Tied 12th with um, Pat Pareth and uh, Mr. Ortiz and uh, just near Mr. Lindheim. Oh, was, was it with, did you say with Pat Perez? Pat Perez was minus 15, yep. Oh, <laughs> hey. Pat Perez, oh, he's a he's really a seriously weird unit, but he he's he's an interesting one because he also played he he played college golf at um, Arizona State with Phil Mickelson, so those two are buddies going way back, and uh, very contrasting to um, uh, careers. Um, I didn't know I didn't realise he played this week, and I'm actually surprised he played because apparently he tore his calf muscle during the Wells Fargo last week, and he was still contending. I think he, fought, he fell, fell back on the Sunday, but he was he was thereabouts with, like, nine holes to play at the Wells Fargo with a torn calf. So I can't believe he's, he's rolled up again this week. Man, he rolled that's, up. He that's, must. That's what, amazing. Did you say he's, he was buddies with Phil Mickelson? Was he doing Phil Kwondo and getting calves <laughs> like Adonis? <laughs> Oh, I have to post that now on social media. If I find it that, that he's actually torn a calf, I'm going to have to post that. 
doing Phil Quando. He, 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 he's taken Phil. He has obviously not taken a rest day for Phil Quando. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's torn a calf muscle. Torn, torn a calf <laughs> muscle in his sleep. We're doing <laughs> rocking his feet back. <laughs> Oh, I'm writing that down right now. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. The, the <laughs> listeners, there you go. There's an insight into the small things that make two grown men laugh. <laughs> oh, I love this stuff. All right. <laughs> so we have Matty Jones in there and uh, any other Aussies in there? I don't think um, a couple of my Scotsmen, uh, Rusty Knox was in there and... Um, Oh, you know. No. No. Well, because I think there were a lot of the other guys that you had the crossover event uh, um, over in the UK. So you had the British Masters yeah. at um, Old Course Hillside, hosted by Tommy Fleetwood, aka the best hair on the planet. No, it's the worst hair. Um, it's the worst hair. That, that's awful. He needs he needs it cut. But anyway, it's his thing. What is? Can I ask you a question? Hopefully, you can lighten because lighten me because it's. Came in, came into my mind. What is hosting a tournament? How does that work? How does Tommy Fleetwood say I'm hosting the British PGA, and there's others who host others? But how does that happen? What does it mean? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't looked this up, but I'm assuming that with with an event like this, it, um, you know, are they a does the 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 sponsor you know, say endorse that person for a period of time or ask them to be a host of the event for a few years and maybe put some different flavours or do some different things that might engage the community or people, etc. like that. You know, so one of the interesting ones with um, Tommy Fleetwood, and this just goes to show the mark of the man, so at the end of play, uh and I think it was specifically on the third round, he'd finished his round, and afterwards he went out with the groundskeeper crew and was helping fill in the divots. I saw that, and, uh, yeah, that was like a lot of uh, a lot of love on the socials. And just while we're talking about filling in your divots, and everyone, please, fill in your divots, but this week it is give a shout-out, give some love to a course superintendent week. So if you're golfing out there this week, just go and see your super, your green keeper and the ground staff. Give them a bit of a pat in the back. Tell them you love the work that they're doing in presenting your course in the way that they do because I know green keepers put their heart and soul into preparing golf courses like it's their backyard. It's a form of art to them. And uh, so it's this week is show some love to your green keeper week. So I go out and do it. But anyway, Tommy hey, filled. Tommy hey, was out there with the crew and filled the divots in. Yeah, he's out there filling the divots in. So you know, and then that, and you know, back to the you know the greenkeepers. You know, they they they'd, they'd love that, and it's a show. It's a sign of respect because you know, whether it be for tournaments or it's just the the weekend stuff, these guys get up at absolute you know bird spot in the morning to go out and, and maybe cut the greens and stuff like that. So when we're rolling out there at 7.30, 7 a.m., there's no dew on them, and they're rolling like, um, you know, like, like lino, just nice and pure. So, you know, I think we forget the effort that these guys put into and the, the really early hours that they, they put in to present the course so we can enjoy the, the beauty of it and have good rounds. Um, mate, mate, talking about getting up at, you know, Sparrows, my brother used to get in from the pub and then have to get up from ha- half an hour later to go out to the uh, the vintage and make the course good for the members out there, but uh, that's another story for another time. So British, um, P- B- British PGA, what do you think of that course? Oh, it's interesting. Um, I think it's a, I think they're just, I think it's another one of those old classic ones. I'm trying to think who... Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember who designed it. I can't remember if it was like um, it's like a Harry Colt. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up now. Um, I'm not sure, but it was just one of those. It was little bit of little bit of links, little bit of Heath. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Oh, it's really good. Um, I think the event was really good. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I struggle with the 
telecasts of some of the European events, they spend um, a little bit too much time on watching someone prepare for a shot. So, you know, we don't get to see a lot of shots. There's a lot of just uh, vacuous space, we'll call it, that unfortunately we get subjected to. So, but apart from that, it was really good. And our man, Eddie, finished second. So he, he wasn't quite, not not quite, but uh, he finished second. So he's had a he's had a cracking week as um, young Eddie Pepperell. Not only he finished second, uh, we'll go early on the socials. He uh, was able to pull a nicely well-constructed and well-orchestrated prank on uh, Matt Wallace, who was leading, and I think he was defending champion, and had a, you know, sort of... Um, We'll call it was on tilt for the last nine holes and uh, didn't quite get the job done. I would say that Matt Wallace had like a mini melt, like a in that last few holes. Um, just watching it, he he nearly saved the day on I think the seventeenth, the par five, when he he bailed it left in the long grass, pulled out the Marac three wood out of the out of the rough, which, you know, I and the commentators at the time thinking, going, this has got disaster written all over it, but he sort of knuckleboarded it up to the frog hair, you know, five metres from the hole, and then, uh, sorry, five metres from the green, chipped it up and missed the putt. Like, <laughs> and it was like a, a three-footer, and it's just a putt that he would have got all day, every day with his eyes closed. And and that was the moment for him, I think, after that. Um, you know, his effort on the last green to... Ultimately, what would have been make the birdie and you know force a playoff, it skipped further in the air than it went along the ground, and it was just disastrous. But anyway, but the social back to the social media stuff, that was hilarious. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen it, go and have a look on the European Tour uh, Twitter feed. The best part, the funniest part for me was. Um, when the the media manager of the European Tour comes out, who's a you know, Scotsman, he says, "Mr. Wallace, um, we've got we issue. Um, we've scratched the car, and they want us to pay for it." And he just he just goes white. Matt Wallace just goes white. He says, mate, didn't do nothing, mate. Aye, they are. we've got a wee problem with it. We've scratched it. Did you did you touch it? Have you got your watch on? Have you got your belt on? Have you got your belt on? Two million two. He wants to pay for it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, actually, I, I think the one that was my favourite part of that one, and again, the European Tour, just they just run rings around PGA Tour when it comes to um, player and social media stuff, is um, the, the guy that was driving him to the course and uh, when he pulled over at the burger joint around the corner, he said, I've... I've I just need a bit of lunch. Do you mind if I just pull in the burger joint around the corner? Um, and, and, and then he goes, yeah, no worries. And he's, he's gone in. Then he comes back in the car and asks him if he has any money. Or if he did because he didn't have the exact change. Do you have 20p? Yeah, have 20p. And then he comes back and he goes, I've got you, got you some crisp and a Coke and a, and, a, and, a, and a snack bar if you wanted one. Mate, I, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Sorry, mate. Can't eat that. Oh, so good. And Eddie Pepperell too. Eddie Pepperell, you would have smacked him if you were mate, his mate. But anyway, it's made us all laugh, and I don't know how they get him to do. Oh, well, he obviously enjoys doing it, and it's it's great. The world or the game needs more Eddie Pepperells, and and you you're hundred percent spot on. You know, imagine the. You know, the American uh, media doing something like that. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be full of... Anyway, um, to all our American listeners, and uh, we picked up the state of Connecticut this week, uh, by the way, Rocket, and uh, a couple of downloads in California. Um, Rhode Island, I noticed, popped up in the downloads this week. Uh, Hawaii popped up for the first time this week. So if you were in one of those those states... um, we seem to be popular in the tri-state area, and I've learnt the tri-state area is that uh, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York area. Seem to be um, fairly well received up in that part of uh, the United States. There so, are some amazing golf courses up in that area. Well, if you are the guys that listen up there, thank you very much. Appreciate the support and downloads. Would love to hear your feedback. 
would love to know why Absolutely. you are tuning in to two old Aussie flogs rabbiting <laughs> on about golf. Would love to know. So reach out and tell us. If you listen, please tell us. On the Twitters. On the Twitters, on the Instas, on the Faces. Uh, what else is? Snap, you can get me on Snapchat. Um, <laughs> Carry pigeon, ravens. Oh, come on, mate. Yeah, we're a bit more modern than that. <laughs> okay. So what happened, uh, uh, British PGA, um, British Masters, sorry. So Matt Wallace, as I just accounted, probably threw it away by missing that putt on the 17th hole. Who was the winner? I've no idea. I was just worried about Eddie. Oh. He did well, you know, like he bailed out his approach um, on the 18th. Maybe it was the 17th. No, it was the 17th, sorry. Bailed out his approach um, pin high right, short-sided, had to get up and down, made up and down, was still in the game. Anything could have happened. Didn't birdie the last and finished at minus 15. And Here we go. Someone cannot... Kinnault. Some Swedish guy. Yep, young young Swedish guy, and he was just cool, calm and collected. He, fortunately for him, he had the perfect read. He left his ball uh, like an inch in front of Richie Ramsey um, from Scotland, if you couldn't tell by my Richie Ramsey. Uh, There's someone that's been toiling away for a long time, and it was a highly, highly ranked amateur golfer. So Kinhelt had his ball an inch in front of Richie Ramsey. He just plotted himself off to the side, casually glanced in, didn't run in like a fool, but glanced in, got a little bit of a read at Richie Ramsey's putt that just uh, was left edge, fell in sort of right side, and he just walked up and went one, two, three, bang, in the hole, thanks very much. And it was over like that. He'd won the tournament on the last part of the day, and it was uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Nice. But... Other than, that, other than that, not too, um, not too exciting. Our man uh, Herbie, Herbie had to battle back from like being maybe seven over or six over after the front nine on the first day, and um, clawed it back, made the cut, finished somewhere in there, and is now off to the USPGA with his uh, with Team Herbie, the, the Pew Dog, the Glazed Dog, and um, and the. Uh, the buddy Gibraltar rock star, um, his coach, his name escapes me at the moment. Excuse me. Um, do you know Do you know Herbie's coach's name? Uh, uh, Dominic. Dominic. Dominic has a party. Yes, Dominic. G'day, Dominic. How are you? So um, they're off to there. What else? Any other notable performances in the PGA and the uh, Masters? Mm, no, not really. I'm just looking through it now. Tied for 23rd, Victor Dubisson. He's um he's been almost unsighted since the uh, the final of that uh, the world match play a few years ago against uh, Jason on my back day. Mm. He went away, but um, he, but he he seems to be bob- bobbing up there now, which is good because he's another character that's strangely interesting, creates interest for the game, and and uh, you know gets a fair bit of attention for his um, his ways. Sublime golfer when he's on form. Um, the other notable notable absentee for me, which I was disappointed, was uh, Jorge Campillo. So <laughs> Campillo watch hashtag Campillo watch uh, got a rest this week, but Jorge is in the field for the uh, USPGA. And um, oh, is he? Yeah, he is. Yep, he'll be there. Oh, fantastic! Well, he's he's second in the race to Dubai points, so he's really rocketed up with his, you know. Ever, ever present run of top tens, and then his win the other week has just uh, bounced him up the race to Dubai. So his world rankings jumped up, and uh, you know, Campillo watch hashtag Campillo watch. That's C A M P I L O watch W A T C H Campillo watch. Let's get that trending. Um, is back on for this week. So USPGA Beth Page Black, as I said in the opening. At least on full, so- and full swing golf, it's uh, the hardest golf course I've played. But it looks really cool. So I had full swing golf on playing while I had uh, two guys on YouTube um, 
the name will come back to me in a second, but they were playing the course as I was playing it on full swing. So it was as good as, probably as close as I'll ever get to playing Beth Page Black. And um, what I was experiencing in the, in the sim, you know, distances-wise and the undulations on some of those holes, I'm not sure the seventh is quite a tough hole. I'm not great with the holes, but um, it looks like a stunning golf course. Discuss. Well, discuss. Well, Beth Page Black, that's the, and this is, you know, I talked about it a few podcasts ago, um, especially with what they're doing, what they've done, obviously, with the US Women's Open in terms of bringing it to some of these different courses. And, you know, what Mike Davis has done, had done for the US Open. So, you know, why Beth Page Black is, you know, prominent now is, is not so much the PGA, but it's more thanks to sort of your work that Mike Davis has done. So you had a quite a popular public course in upstate New York. No, not sorry, not upstate New York. Sort of more on um, uh, east of uh, New York City. But you got five courses over there. You know, most of them designed by um, A. W. Tillinghast. Um, there's an interesting article on Beth Page Black around in some of the routing. It was more of a, another gentleman who'd actually um, designed it, but we'll leave that for another day. So you've got, um, you know, Beth Page National Park. So you've got five courses. So you've got the black course, you've got the green course, which was um, designed by Devereaux Emmett. Then you had the other courses, which are the blue, the red, the yellow, and the green. Um, all designed by Tillinghast as well in this all public courses in, in this one sort of little enclave and it's probably one of the more popular courses going around and what, what had happened and I don't even know the background of how this came about is that uh, Mike Davis is wanting to bring US Open to you know, the public course, because it's never been played at a public course before, you know, we'll call it Pebble Beach Excluded. Um, and so the USGA had commissioned um, a bit of a re- renovation slash restoration of Beth Plage and um, hired the skills of Reese Jones to do a renovation pre-US uh, Open. So it was first played there in 2002, which uh, Tiger... Uh, cleaned up on. That's some, that's some really good footage on YouTube of when, when Tiger was hitting, hitting back then in 2002. His swing was just, oh my God, that's uh, just beautiful. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to fall into Tiger mode in a minute, so I'll, I'll try and put that away. And then 2000, it was back there in 2009. It was won by Lucas Glover. Um, and then you know USPGA picked it up. Um, as, as, a, as a course in sort of rotation, you know, there's a lot of other courses have been fighting away to get uh, the US Open. So PGA have taken the opportunity to grab Beth Page Black and put it into its rotation. So it is quite a difficult course from all the things that I've read and all the things that I've seen in other videos. So it is quite long, especially if you put it back from you know, right back at the tips. But one of the things that um, Tillinghast is quite renowned for is, you know, building a, um, yeah, he's almost building a US Open style course right from scratch. So his, his more notable ones that everyone would be sort of more familiar with is he designed Baltus Rolls. So that was um, down in New Jersey. And the other one, which is uh, a little bit sort of more uh North, not far away, not too far away from Bethpage, but uh, Wingfoot, so Wingfoot East and West. That's another Tillinghouse one, which has actually just been, um, there's um, Gil Hansen's just done a renovation on both those courses to bring it back to, you know, the original design. So, you know, he is a, he's a fair pedigree on, on design and, you know, quite a significant um, designer in, you know, that, you know, pre um, uh, depression era, and you know one of his you know real trademarks is just building just long, tough golf courses that really test you out tee to green. You know, fairways that are, are not wide. There's a lot of um, holes that are going left and right, so it's really testing out. Are you able to shape your shots? A lot of bunkers, cross bunkers. Um, 
and not standard size ones, a lot of sort of different shapes, ones that sort of do jut into uh, into the fairways and, and 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 reduce the landing areas for where your tee shots are going to be. And then your approach shots into these greens, a lot of them are forced carries as well, so a lot of bunkering at the front of a lot of holes. And then, you know, a lot of the greens in in not all on all the holes, but a lot of them they are fairly they seem to be fairly raised or how he's routed them is in spots where, you know, hitting up in the shots or they've just got areas where they're raised, surrounded by bunkers. And then, you know, the job is not over when you get on the green. So a lot of the greens have um, you know, some of them have got some really interesting spines running through them, you know, subtle tears, shapes can be quite complex and when you, you sort of get to, to major time it can be you know quite daunting and you know Wingfoot has been a fair few US Opens played at it and um, you know there's many stories of the speed that they would run at uh, Wingfoot when they were playing there which is quite terrifying so Beth Page is one of those big beasts and I think they actually have a sign at the front saying you know uh Beware, this golf course is one of the toughest in the world. If you are not a good golfer, we recommend you do not play here. Um, but still, they have these massive, you know, called people camping out for a couple of days beforehand to be able to play, you know, people from outside of New York. You know, they've got to rock up two days before to play on this course. Um, and it's um, pretty much booked out all year round. So, obviously, except for uh, winter time. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a really good hard test of golf. And if they don't get any inclement weather, which I'm this is I've expressed this on the last one, you know, May in New York. Oh, it's, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it. I know you're busy in Adelaide, but it's been absolutely bucketing down there. Like I've seen several photos today posted today of you know, water torrents across the fairways and the greens. So it's... What, there? Yeah. Oh, see, this is... Uh, unfortunately, you know, we're going to call it Mike Davis and the USGA are going to be in their offices giggling, thinking, and you and you thought we uh, lost the course at Shinnecock. You know, the, the PGA is playing in the northern part of the US in May... Like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. It's just, it's frightening. It's just, it's not And that's the thing. It's like, you know, that, that course is already hard and you don't want to have a major that's that's playing wet because uh, it just becomes a bomb fest and it's just, it's not pretty golf. It's not interesting. It's quite boring, really. Um, so... I don't know, someone needs to get a lot of blow dries out there because if the course is going to play like that, that's just going to be, it's going to be horrible. So, ugh. Well, it is, uh, it is wet. So who are we going to look towards um, with that insight as maybe doing the job this week? You've got to go to your man Kepka, haven't you? Well... Well, it is a major, and he's defending champion. So, so Brooks, and Brooks has been in really good form. You know, so people forget. You know, he's he's uh, he's probably got his body back in shape now after the uh, the uh, the debacle of you know, slimming down for a men's magazine. So, he's in contention. I'll see at the Masters. Uh, there was another event that he played. Not long, I think, after the Masters, or maybe he took a break. I can't remember. But then, obviously, uh, Byron Nelson, you know, he's played, he's finished fourth there, so he's just sort of warming up. And he's just been a really good, solid form player for you know eighteen plus months. So he would be, I think, even if the if the course is playing long, he's going to be really hard to beat because if he is if he's got his driver really dialed in. There's no one longer and straighter than him. So he is going to just butcher this course off the tee. And if it's target golf, he is going to be just absolutely firing at pins. 
and if the greens aren't fast because of obviously being wet, um, he could he could do some serious damage because we saw what he did uh, at Belrive last year, and there was uh, that course was playing wet, so there wasn't a lot of run in there, and he. Except for his last round, his first three rounds, he pretty much nearly tore that course apart. So, I, I think he would actually—he he legitimately, I think, will be actually hard to beat. Oh, I think he's going to be the pick because you know he's still going to be burning a little bit from you know finishing um, second at the Masters. He's defending champion. It's a major, so he's he's bound to turn up. Um, well, I'm going to get in first, and I'm going to have his have him as my guy. He's my tip, and uh, I don't bet. But uh, if I was putting my one pound on him, I'd uh, I'd I'd put it on him. Yeah, it'd be smart. It'd be good. It'd be smart. And then for you know other players in the field, uh, there's so many of them have been up and down all through the year. You know, Dustin Johnson has been. I don't know. Been Dustin Johnson, um, Justin Rose. Obviously, looks like he's found a little bit of form. Um, Rory's, oh, I don't know, he's all over the place. And if it's wet and long like this and not moving around, he 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 might actually. And if the greens are a little bit slow, he might actually turn up. Um, I, I don't know, but if it's wet, it's you're going to rule out a lot of players because if you're not long. Um, this course is going to be a real slog, a real slog. Um, I'm trying to think of other players I could think of. Then we've obviously, oh, I can't think of any other other real players that might be in form. And then it's just the the Australians that are that are rolling around in there, and so, you know, no one's lighting it up there. So we've got um, Scott, we've got Jones. Yeah. We have um, who else do we have? Lucas Herbert. Boy. Lucas Herbert. Um, Cam Herb- Smith. Cam Smith. And the leash. Leashman. You already said the leash. No, I didn't say the leash. I haven't got to him yet. No. Uh, we've got uh, the leash. Who is um, young man Dean? Is it Scott Dean? Is he a Kiwi or is he an Aussie? Oh. Stuart Dean. Stuart Dean. Is he a, is he a Kiwi? So we've got Danny Lee and Stuart Dean from uh, we think from New Zealand. So interesting thing that it starts at um, eight local time uh, for us in today's time eight forty five. So the early players are out at eight forty five, but the field the the uh, first two day field goes right through until sort of four twenty two a.m. So. It'll come on stream, probably more so on the computer, not on the TV feeds here, but uh, it'll come on stream quite early, 9.40 p.m., thereabouts. Yeah, that's the, that's the you know, that's, I guess they're playing it so far on the on the East Coast, so you've yeah. got another four-hour difference, three, yeah. three and yeah. a half, four-hour difference yep. from from west to east. Um, but, yeah, the Australians is, you know, Leishman withdrew, obviously, from um, Trinity... Cam Smith's been, yeah, he's there about. Lucas is just coming back into, you know, trying to find a little bit of form after he had his um, run sort of earlier in the year. Um, then you've got Adam Scott and Jason Day. You've got, I've, got no, I've got no read on those two, absolutely no read. They're not playing enough events. They're not really contending whatsoever. Um, and Brendan, then again, you Brendan, know, jo- Brendan, jo- jo- Brendan Jones is in there too. Is he? Hmm. BJ? Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. Japan. Yeah. I used to play, I used to play interstate stuff against Brendan. Yeah. Really? Name dropping. He's a, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I could go with some more, um, but I won't. <laughs> no, that's um, okay, that's okay. We've got to build our credibility. People have to know that, uh, <laughs> you know, we've rubbed shoulders with the big names. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's the PGA, right? So it's it's going to be weird because it's in May. And the other thing with the US PGA is that it has a really good tendency of throwing up. I like to call it video killed the radio star, the one hit wonders. 
you know, so like, the, you know, if you think of these sort of winners, Rich Beam. <laughs> could there could there have been a worse? Sean McKeel. Mm, probably there it is. But well done to him. Why 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 Yang? I remember that. I was in I was in Edinburgh watching that. He beat he beat Tiger. Lifted his bag up like a lifted the former weightlifter. Hazel team. Yep, former weightlifter lifted his raised his bag like a former weightlifter weightlifter does, and uh, yeah, that's where he took Tiger down. Hmm. Uh, and if I think about PGA Championship, I still think about that uh, three-iron Tiger hit from standing outside the bunker on the ninth hole. I think it was in the second round. That was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, they just this event just throws up some. Uh, you know, Jason Duffner, he's sort of only starting to come back into a bit of form. You know, more recently, you got Jimmy, Texas backstopper Walker, um, Keegan Bradley. Um, yeah, David Toms. <laughs> David Toms. <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at that for a stretch. David Toms, Rich Beam, Sean McKeel. Man. Oh, well, they're all good enough to get there in their day, but uh, as you say, it could throw up a smoky. Now, we're just going to pause for one second while the production queue enters the car. Oh, sorry, did I say car? I'm in mobile podcast studio brought to you by the Nissan NP300. The, 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 the Nissan mobile podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you to Nissan, the uh, NP300 now done 108,948 Ks, hasn't missed a beat. So uh, if you're looking for a one-ton ute, and this isn't a sponsored segment, um, you could not find a finer ute than the Nissan MP300. And uh, let me tell you, it's perfect for a mobile podcast studio. Can't you hear my voice reverberating around <laughs> the beautiful <laughs> silence that I'm faced with here in the Docklands, Melbourne. But the uh, production crew has joined us. He's now sitting in the uh, co-pilot seat. Um, so the US Open is known for throwing up a smoky. This guy isn't as smoky as those guys. This guy's a genuine player. But given his length, given his um, desire to go after the ball, and if it is going to be a little soft, you know, his background from where he's played, you know, that softer surfaces in, in Thailand and Malaysia and that Southeast Asia, I'm going to throw Kiridek Epibarnrat, the Barnrat, as my um, sort of left of field uh, smoky. Well, young Max Max Homer is actually uh, paired with uh, with the barn rat um, for the first two rounds. That's an int- that'll be an interesting pairing to watch. Be, you know, you're a Homer fan, and I'm a barn rat fan. So, uh, see if we can watch any of that. See if we can, if that uh, coverage comes across. Actually, you know the one person we haven't mentioned, and I think it's probably because I tried to shut it out of my mind because uh, I probably you know overdosed myself. Is uh, the big cat? We have not even talked about the big cat. Well, he's back, so. and I think it goes without saying that he—you wouldn't bet against him from figuring um, in the standings. So, yeah, it's probably well, remiss, remiss of us not to go there so early, uh, or as early as we probably—he um, deserves um, some uh, notoriety for where his standings are. But yeah, you're right. Well, he'll, he'll be interesting because this this will be this will be the real. So even though Bell Reeve, like he was sort of thereabouts and sort of contending late um, over the weekend, and but he was hitting it all over the place. It's just lucky his iron play and his putting was just just amazing. Uh, so he because it's wet. If it's going to be wet, if it was dry, it'd probably be a little bit different. So he'd probably play a few more stingers. If it's going to be wet, it means he's going to have to be pulling driver. So is he going to have the confidence to be unleashing and getting this boy in the fairways? So that, that's that's really what's going to dictate his week is how is he going to be driving the ball um, at Bethpage? Because unlike Augusta, you miss a fairway, it's going to be in a couple of inches. Of, you know, it's going to be in a few inches of rough. And this is not a course that you want to be missing it a lot. You know, it's not Tiger of 2002. Um, when he played there, he was he was 
he was amazing. Tita Green, he was just amazing. He was, it was probably one of his worst putting weeks ever, and he still won by a couple. His Tita Green was oh, it's flawless. It's flawless. But, you know, we don't have 2002 Tiger. We've got 2019 Tiger. So, again, it's just going to be the driver. Can he, you know, is he, how's he going to be feeling? Is it... Is it going to be too cold so he's not going to be able to, you know, um, keep nice and limber and stuff like that? Are they going to have rain delays? So that, that could impact him a lot as well in terms of, you know, he's, he's he's on a run, on a roll. All of a sudden they're going to have a weather delay or something like that and, you know, breaks his run. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I'm not as, as bullish as most people would be because everyone's thinking of, yes, he's won at Bethpage, um, but that's, that, was, that was a long time ago just because he's won there and he, he likes the course. It's it's not going to it's not going to mean Jack really. Well, so. once again, I'm you know back on the Tiger train. I I don't think that he'll. Uh, He'll, he'll win, I'll say that, um, as much as I would like him to. I don't think he will. So I am going to stick with my Brooks Kepka as the overall victor. The the outsider is going to be the Barn Rat. And leading Aussie, leading Aussie, that's a hard one. I'm going to go with uh, Matt Jones doesn't hit it long enough. I'm going to put Herbie. I'm going to put Herbie up there as as the leading Aussie. He might spray it a bit, but he can bomb it, and he'll gouge it out of any uh, deep rough as good as anybody. So, if he can keep it reasonable, he might be the leading Aussie. That's my. There you go. That's what I'm going to say. All right. So my since you've already taken Brooks, um, hmm. I reckon I'm almost no, he's almost my smoky. No, the the one I'm probably pick in terms of just how they're probably playing at the moment, they're roundabout, and this is really going to come down to whether or not they're actually in the right headspace compared to earlier on in the year. Is Mr. McElroy? If it's wet, you know, I think about him at Congressional. In 2012, him at um, Kiwa Island. So when both both times he won those, it was just the weather was atrocious. It just became a bomber's paradise. So uh, it might be right up his alley. For my Smokey, I actually think Mr. Fowler. So he's sort of just been thereabouts for a lot of the year. Um, so. Maybe this is where he can get it, get the job done because you know PGA is also one of those places where the players that are uh, you know the the person who's the best player in the world to have not won a major they usually sort of get the job done here. Uh, so that would be the Smokey, the best Aussie. Ooh. I actually reckon Adam Scott. Because if it's wet, that means the greens are going to be slow. So that means he's going to probably be able to be a bit more aggressive and he's a bomber and he's straight, probably the straightest driver of the golf ball outside of Brooks that you'll find. So you know, maybe he'll put his foot down. Is he still using the Lululemon insignia putter? Oh, I don't know what he's using. He, he might as well. He might as well go get... Happy Gilmore's hockey stick. That that thing looks like the Lululemon logo. That, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm just making myself laugh here. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. yes. I, I do. Okay, I do. <laughs> well, yeah, he could do. He could do well, and that'd be great for you know. It'd be great to see Adam do well because we love Adam, and uh, he's a wonderful driver of the ball. So let's hope that his putting woes can. Um, go away for the weekend on the week and uh, he can uh, get the job done but I think that my man Herbie might just be ready to uh, let a couple rip could be wrong but I hope not 
So, mate, have you got any rippers? Speaking of letting it rip, have you got any rippers for us? Have you have you been storing anything away that you want to bring to the party uh, here, or uh, anything anything else? Uh, unfortunately, not. You know, it's 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 been it's been obviously weird. You know, having the PGA in the middle of the year. So, a lot of the players that would normally be bringing out stuff have been quite off the radar. Um, so. I really don't have a loss, you know, but, you know, I'm still thinking about Pat Perez, you know, Phil, <laughs> Phil Quan Carves. So I am going to be, as soon as we finish here, I'm going to be straight to Twittersphere and um, making sure that no one else has already done that one because I'm going I'm going for the jugular. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go in there and see see what I can, uh, I can conjure up. Um and then the actually the other person that um, I'm a bit disappointed has gone on the quiet is um, Ed, Eduardo Molinari. So, you know, the whole challenge around, you know, the slow play and stuff like that, I haven't seen much more from him for a while. So, you know, we'll call it the funny content has been a little bit low for me for the last few weeks. So, a bit disappointing. And you were here were forging such a great Twitter relationship too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Man, 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 Frankie's brother. Well, mate, if uh, if that's us, that is us. Once again, thank you for joining me on the My Love of Golf podcast. It's been a pleasure. It always is. And your insights into the golf courses that these guys are playing on, the designers of the golf courses, what they're all about, what to expect is uh, legendary. And your knowledge and depth of knowledge of the players and their performances and their past performances is uh, is unquestionable. And I, you amaze me. And um, it's uh, a pleasure to have you alongside me here. We'll be in, in Adelaide this week. But um, thank you. Let's look forward to the next time we catch up on the My Love of Golf podcast. Please, if you're a fan of Roscoe and Rocket, drop us a line. Let us hear from you and I don't know what we'll do but we'll do something to celebrate you tag us on a My Love of Golf uh, Instagram or tweet something to Rocket or myself you'll find us everywhere and um, let us know because uh, we need the feedback um, just so we know that it's more than Mrs. Heron that's listening <laughs> Mrs. Yes. Rocket, Mrs. Rocket. Um, <laughs> so mate that's it that's it from me thanks again Anything else from you? As I said last week, I'm done. I love your work. Until next time, that's the My Love of Golf podcast wrapping up the PGA or looking at the PGA, and uh, we'll see you next week.